Casey, mm-hmm. I always call you when I check in. I say, are you dating anybody? Are you in love with anybody? Has somebody slid a ring on your finger? And it's you just. You always ask me I that. I got to ask that. because the answer never changes. Why? why? Why hasn't it changed? You're such a dope woman. You're absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're upwardly mobile. You're just a dope chick. Why is it that. I'm just going to ask you. Do you want to get married? You want a yes or no? I want you. I want however you want to say it. It could be no, but yes, but. I don't think so. Really? I don't think it's a want. I'm on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Now, as a national playwright, I've penned dozens of shows about relationships. As a filmmaker, I've documented the most beautiful committal of lovers at weddings. And as a divorcee, I know firsthand the brevity of marriage and the pain of its loss. I'm the Terrasaur with you, and welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, the Terrasaur Whitfield. Today, we have an exciting guest in the studio. She's a personal friend, and I'm really looking forward to talking to her. Now, she's a 23-year media executive. She runs a crisis communications firm. She's a founder of the Lady General Foundation. She's the co-founder of Sisters of the Movement, and she started a new production and film company and also a tech company. Man, this girl, I don't even think she has time for a relationship. And that's why I have her on this podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My homie for years, Casey Fox. How you doing? Great. Man, thank you for taking that long hike all the way to the studio. It's a nice studio. Thank you so much. Now, Casey, how do you have time to do all these initiatives? So how do, how do you do it? Because you do such a great job at all of it. How, how do you find time to do this? You know what? Not a lot of sleep, but a really strong team. I'm going to be honest with you. It's tough. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired, boy. You tired? You tired? I'm tired as hell. So, so, Casey, now you, like, on the ground with Black Lives Matter, all the initiatives that are um, – you know, helping our culture receive equality in the United States. What, let the people know, what first brought your involvement in the Black Lives Matter movement? Trayvon Martin. And what made you decide to say, hey, I need to be involved in this? That could have been my son. That could have been my kid. That could have been my nephew. That could have been my little cousin, my neighbor. It was too, it was too close for comfort. And so when you started out back then, on what level did you initially just start out? Just a protester, protesting. And then what, at what point did it transition from just being a protester? Let people know, what is your role um, in helping these civil matters? Oh, um, well, first and foremost, I'm a servant. You know, I spent some time in the military, so everything was mission-based. So Air Force, I, exactly, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, correct, Air yeah. Force. And so um, everything was mission-based and mission dri- solution-driven. Right. And so we were trained and conditioned to, if there's a problem, you need to come up with a five-point contingency plan to solve it. Right. And so I've kind of lived my life in that manner. So after Trayvon Martin happened, um, I started getting more and more involved just in, as an activist, women's rights, civil rights, human, human rights. Right. And um, I guess about five, maybe six years ago, met Lee Merritt. We became friends, partnered up, and started doing work together. Who is Lee Merritt? Um, very famous civil rights attorney right now. Someone right. Someone who's 
looked upon to deal with these civil matters um, on a larger scale. Right. And I hate there's a need for a Lee Merritt, but there is. Um, Jackie Craig, uh, who's a friend of mine, um, lives in Fort Worth, and her son uh, was choked by a white neighbor. And when the police were called by Jacqueline and her family, Jacqueline's daughters were attacked. Really? As opposed to the guy that choked Jacqueline's son. Yep, I remember that story. And so your involvement is what, getting the the client ready to handle this windstorm that they're thrust upon from social media and the news and all that good stuff, correct? Right. Um, how do you feel? Like, I know that being a mother, do you find yourself being numb by, I mean, because you're inundated with these stories after stories after these cases after cases. How is that affecting you emotionally and mentally? Um, I will tell you this, and, and my best friend is in the studio, and she can attest to this. The first time that I truly realized that self-care was very important for me and mental health was very important for me was during the R. Kelly case. Oh, yes. And it was at that point that I realized this is a lot. This is a lot to carry. It's not just work. It's right. personal. It becomes very personal. Right. And um, if, if you let it, it, it will eat you alive. So after that case, I took about eight months off. Stuff. Now, me being a girl dad, you know, that hits really close to home with me, mm-hmm. uh, especially my involvement that I had with R. Kelly um, coming to one of my shows and the conversations he and I had and what I witnessed firsthand. I just want to know the impact from hearing those stories, from seeing those girls looking into their lives, seeing the impact that uh, that monster had on them. How did that impact you? I went into it thinking that I had really thick skin, mm-hmm. and I do. Especially from your military background. Right, but it wasn't thick enough for that. Really? This was something that, <laughs> it's unimaginable. Really? The things that I became privy to, the information, the things that I heard, the things that I saw with my own two eyes, the things that I witnessed navigating those cases, is too much for any human being to process. Yeah. And um, I, I am going to share some of that in a book that I've got coming out called Chasing Monsters. Chasing Monsters. You know, that's a, that's a pretty dope title. Thank you. So what's going to happen as you write this? You're going to need some therapy afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I have a therapist um, Good. who's great. And, and um, she's always checking in on me to make sure that I'm taking the much needed time for myself to maintain the level of um, balance that I need to survive. Which is totally, totally necessary. Um, A recent case. I mean, shoot, I got to say, which one is the recent case? Because we just had another case last night. So are you going to be involved in that in Atlanta? Um, No. So is that one of those situations we say no to? I think my involvement um, would come as a co-founder of Sisters of the Movement, which is a new uh, organization we established in the midst of all of this turmoil. And um, I'm rocking with some of the dopest sisters ever to walk the face of the planet. Um, Shantae Needham, Sandra Bland's sister. Mm. Um, Alyssa Finley, Botham John's sister. Yes. Um, Atatiana Jefferson's two sister, Ashley yes. and Amber. Um, Victoria Davis, who's the sister of Delrun Small. Wow. Um, Natasha, who is the sister of Chantel Davis, who was killed in New York. And um, 
Yeah, and so and we still have additional sisters reaching out to us. So what's the initiative? You got these powerful sisters together that underwent some of the most tragic pain of loss. So what is the initiative? Chase monsters. So y'all not going to stop until y'all catch every monster in the United States, Correct, through federal legislation. And then we have an educational component to the organization that focuses on educating uh, the youth. Because what I found is I've been on the front lines of some of this, uh, some of these protests. And I'm going to be honest with you, these millennials, they're about that life. <laughs> they are. And, <laughs> they they um, ride or die, ain't they? They are. But they do need guidance. 100%. So uh, they know what they, they want to do, but they need direction on how to implement. So we'll be holding forums to teach how to effectively launch a boycott how to uh, effectively uh, demonstrate publicly and mentally. You can protest mentally as well. So we'll be taking them through those different things and lessons and um, just moving moving the narrative in the right direction. Touch on that. You said protest mentally. What does that look like? Well, right now we're pushing federal legislation, and um, we're supported by Rock Nation. Yes. Team Rock. So um, there's a lot of work going on uh, on the, you know, as far as pushing federal legislation. So we're really excited about that. Um, Thursday, today's Sunday. Thursday, we did a sit down interview with the Today Show. Yeah. That's going to air on this Friday. And the world will hear about this five point legislation plan that we're pushing. God. Uh Casey, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Like, you out here grinding in these streets, like, for real. When did this call happen? Like, what made you transition and say, okay, I know I'm working for this major telecommunications company. Uh, I see what happened with Trayvon Martin. I see these offenses and murders that's taking place from the police. But I got to, you know what, I have to just shift and cause a total shift in my career and start pushing a whole nother initiative. You know what? It, it kind of goes hand in hand because I took some time off from mainstream media and went into the military. So it was in the military that I was a part of a law enforcement unit. So those leadership skills mixed with my ability to communicate. And then I was hurt. Um, I took an injury on my deployment in 2007. So I went, I had to go do another job. I, my commander told me you can go home or you can do another job. Well, no, talk about the injury. We talked about that. What happened? Because you, 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 <laughs> if it came a little bit more feet over, you wouldn't be here right now. So we got to give God some glory for that. Absolutely, what happened? Absolutely. Um, I wish I had this, like, I was up on the top of an up arm, a Humvee, and dot, dot, <laughs> dot, dot. But it was none of that. I was just trying to go to the restroom yep. while I was in there. The location, we were in northern Iraq. And so we already knew there was intel that there were um, rockets being launched from a riverbed that was about 200 clicks away from our FOB or our base. And um, I, we were trained to hear the thump and the thud, the sound. So I heard that. So I knew it was going to impact. And on just didn't know where. Just didn't know where, but trained to kind of know how many meters um, that that impact may take place. I was an instructor on the state side, so I taught these type of courses. Wow. Right. So um, I braced myself for the impact, and it actually hit the restroom that I was in. And so, um, yeah, that was a night that I will never forget. So. And you survived that. I absolutely did, like the soldier that I am. 
When I tell you, if y'all don't believe God is real, <laughs> let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I was a rock star in the military. I know. I was you pretty got, decorated. Yeah, you got your nice little award from General Petraeus and stuff. I sure did. I said, you give me a award, I'm going to have it as a hood ornament on my car or something. You just, <laughs> I remember one day you just pulled it out. I was like, oh, yeah, I got this and just put it right back in the closet. I was yeah. like, you're just going to just haphazardly just put that aside. I was like, what is that? Oh, that's just a, just so nonchalant and humble about it. Yeah. It's like. But when I go back and look at the pictures, you know, um, I remember that day. I was the only female there to receive that honor, which was huge for me. And I was only one of three Air Force um, servicemen. Everyone else was from the Army or, you know, another branch of the service. So uh, commander said you can go to actually Saudi Arabia to have MRIs and do all that, or you can get physical therapy here from the Army and um, go on to do another job. And I was like, I ain't going to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> if I get on the plane, I'm going to the house. I'm going to the house. You understand and me? So, right. And so um, I became a communications combat desk sergeant, and I worked for the battle captain, and I was also the liaison for the JTOC, which is the Joint Tactical Operating Center which serviced the army. So I was the eyes and ears for the guys. So you're that looking were at screens and all that stuff, all yeah. the digital stuff, watching everything yeah, take thermal place. Thermal images, um, map and compass, land navigation, plotting different things. And what's so dope about God is that position is what ultimately led for you to get that, that, that award, correct? Correct. And that position gave me um, a lot of perspective on how to um, navigate very high stress environments. Yeah. There was lots of, there was, I can't even count how many days I had to call for total evacuations of the base because there was a bomb in the search pit and setting up those cordons and things like that. But I was high, I mean, I received so many awards for that job. I love that job, but it was a very important job and it gave me a different set of skills that I was able to bring back to the civilian sector. That's why I'm so cocky about my you sure are. <laughs> the lady general, everybody. So, and that's dope how you brought your military background to this female leadership program that you have. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. So, um, I founded the lady, and this is how God's timing is everything. Before I ever got deployed and went to the military, I knew I wanted to start a nonprofit of some sort. Right. But for whatever reason, it just wasn't coming together for me because it wasn't the time. Right. God needed me to navigate some other stuff first. And so um, when I came back, um, there's a friend of mine who lives in Austin actually gave me the name the Lady General. It, that wasn't even going to be the name of the foundation. Um, she called me that one day in a radio interview um, she was like, you just don't look like you tote big guns. and You don't. <laughs> and so she was like, you're a lady, but you're just like, and that's how I came up with that. I was like, that's it. That's the name of the foundation. Um, and so the Lady General Foundation was formed in 2016. Um, and um, it's been rocking ever since. We have a couple of flagship programs that I put my heart and sweat into. Uh, along with my team, and we teach th 13 core courses every summer at a summer camp, yeah. a three-day intensive, and it's all based upon military mindset. And you're teaching how to apply that. What age group? Um, nine to seventeen. Nine to seventeen. What made you go so young at nine? 
Um, because I feel that nine is the perfect age to where they know enough to understand, but they don't know too much to think they know more than you. There it is. There it is. <laughs> so I know in those classes, you actually see a big difference between a nine-year-old and a 17-year-old Absolutely. <laughs> trying to get some knowledge into their head. Mm-hmm. So what we do um, to compensate for that is that the teams are broken up to Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. And Alpha is going to be that younger group, 9 to 11, and then 11 to 15, and then 16 and 17 are on Charlie. And so I take the exact same subject matter, and I feed it to them appropriate for their age Right. Group. Casey, mm-hmm. I always call you when I check in. I say, are you dating anybody? Are you in love with anybody? Has somebody slid a ring on your finger? And it's you just, always ask me I got to ask that. because the you're, answer never changes. Why? why? Why hasn't it changed? You're such a dope woman. You're absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. You're upperly mobile. You're just a dope chick. Why is it that... I'm just going to ask you, do you want to get married? You want a yes or no? I want, do you, I want however you want to say it. It could be no, but yes, but. I don't think so. Really? I don't think it's a want, but I'm not opposed to it. Never been married before. Uh, have you ever been close? Yeah, I've been engaged twice. And how long ago? Eight years, eight or more years. Ago. Eight years ago. Have you been in any serious relationships in the past eight years? Serious relationships, no. Okay. So eight years, and you said that it's not a want, but you're open to it. Correct. So explain that. Um, it's, I think that I would be okay if I didn't get married, but I'm not going to, I don't fear it or... I don't think it's taboo or anything like that. I think it's a beautiful situation. I think it's a beautiful scenario. I do. I think marriages are beautiful, especially when they're between the right two individuals. 100%. Um, Some of my friends say that I'm unrealistic. (laughs) Why? In my thought processes. I don't know. I'm just, I really believe in true love. So what's unrealistic about that? What, how, do you, how do you believe the manifestation of true love will come to you? I, I do believe that there is such thing as a perfect mate. For you. Mm-hmm. And what does that look like? Um, someone that is very connected to my soul. I feel like that there is a such thing as a soulmate. Because like, like I said, my best friend, she's here in the studio. Yeah. And I'm happy I can't see her eyes because she's probably giving me the evil eye. <laughs> You ask her, she'll tell you that I'm afraid of commitment. Yeah, that's but, what I think. Yeah. No, I don't think that's it. How? I think if it's, I think if it's with the right guy that I wouldn't have. But how would it ever be the right guy if you're just not available for it? Like, you're not even open to it. Open to? To receiving it. Like, like I don't know, a guy <laughs> have to tackle you on the ground, handcuff you, and say, I'm going to sequester you for seven days and convince you that I'm your husband. That's the only way you're going to get your attention. Because you should be like, oh, hey. It's like, but see, that's how- the thing. My husband, he would never approach me. I'm going to approach him. I I believe that. I don't believe it's, I believe that should I finally connect with my husband, I may already have, I don't know. But once I realize that I've connected with him, I'm going to be the one to make that union happen. Really? So you're going to be the one to get on your knees and propose? Hell no. (laughs) I ain't say that. (laughs) You're going to get on your knees and propose, Casey? Negative. But you what? So what does it look like letting him know that you're gonna say, "Hey, I'm I open think, to you." I think Pursue that. Me. I think that. 
Okay. So I think this is a loaded question, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm ready to, I'm willing to unpack some of it. This is Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm willing to unpack to a certain extent. Okay, let's talk. Here's what I truly believe. I believe that the number one obstacle is me just even having time to even think about a relationship. Right. I think that's the, the first thing. I'm in my way there, but I'm happy being in my way there. <laughs> I'm not interested in that at this point. But I think once, because I'm a go-getter, yeah. I think once I'm ready to receive that, I'll probably be able to see some things that I can't see right now. So are you more like what women face with dudes where you have in your mind certain things you want to accomplish before you even open your mind up to receive love? Because you hear that a lot from a lot of men. They're like, well, right now I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get here. I want to have this kind of money. I want to do all this. You're successful. So what is it that you feel that is lacking or that you need to accomplish in order to then get to the point where you're entertaining this love? I don't, I just feel like, and I, and I have thought about it like over the last three or four years. I just yeah, truly, three or four years. Yes. Okay. I truly believe that right now for the majority of the men that I would attract, I may be a bit much for them. Why? Because you so like, I'm just not that available. And that's unfair to someone who's trying to get to know somebody. So once you find somebody you like, you don't think you're compromising. uh, compromise and, Create more availability? Perhaps. <laughs> she said perhaps. Casey, you just ain't having it, are you? <laughs> so tell me what, a lot of guys approach you, right? Yeah. They approach so, you face-to-face, DMs, both, all of the above? All of the above. And what do you do? Do you, do you even give your phone number out? <laughs> you won't even give your phone number out? No. Okay, so I'll share a quick story. Thank you. Um, See, listen, Casey. Here on the future, uh, the Dear Future Wifey podcast, we have this motto of being lit. That's living intentionally and transparently. And oh. so, so I didn't, I didn't have you take the the uh, the oath uh, that you're gonna be oh lit. So this is what all this is about, and okay. you're just kind of falling into the to the uh, okay. the spirit of the show. Okay, okay. So I'm tell having us a good time. Okay, so I met this guy um, who is extremely interesting in a good way. Um, And I enjoy, we don't talk a lot, but the times we do talk, I enjoy very much. They're usually short conversations, but uh, fulfilling. But every time he goes to ask me out, I'm out. So you run when he asks you, (laughs) when he asks you out. I decline. You decline. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Nice guy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Just won't give him a date? Mm-mm. You've never been on one date with him? Not a one date. And you'd be available just sitting at home? Well, no, I would all, I mean, I'm going to have to make the time, but, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I can make a time for a date at least once, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say that I'm running 24 hours around the clock, maybe 18, but there's still a few hours left that I can go on a date, but I just choose not to. And why? Why is that, Casey? I just don't feel like, I mean, why? Why should I? I mean, you, so you don't see, like, you don't, 
Cause you're a loving person. Like you act like a, a thug sometimes, but 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 you <laughs> but you a loving person. You know, once you get to know you and get behind that brick wall, you like, wow, this girl has feelings. She has a heart. She's sweet. <laughs> she and has all a this, heart. Yeah, she has a heart. Like the Tin Man. Yeah. So so what is that? Is it because it's this Tin Man persona where you just don't want let you just don't want to let anybody in out of fear of what being disappointed, being hurt? I think at the point that I'm at in my life. Right. First of all, I'm a very isolated person yes. in general. A lot of people would probably never believe that, but I'm extremely like my friends have to do wellness checks on me because <laughs> I'll disappear for two or three days. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm a loner. And so when you're when you're disappearing, what are you doing? I'm an introvert. So you're just sitting at home, just most of the time. I'm writing or uh, I I read a lot. And plus, you're working on your book, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two so. books, working on two books. So yeah, when you write, when you you know, from one writer to the next, you gotta isolate when you start writing. But just I really you, enjoy being by myself. So it would would it annoy you to have a man in your presence, like to be in your like if you got with a guy and he was around? Are you the type be like oh, I need I need a break? I need, I need to have some me time. I want, and this is unfair. Let me go on and put the disclaimer out there before your male fans roast me. <laughs> I would want him there when I want him there. And I realize that relationships probably aren't that way. <laughs> so just to keep the peace. Yes. You would want him there when you want. So you'd be able to just like, all right, uh, would you know that in advance? Or would you be the type to be like, hey, I would like to see you today. Uh, what you doing? And then if he says, oh, shoot, I, I didn't even expect to hear from you today. I got plans. Would you be like, oh, really? No. You'd just be like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he have to wait around to the next time. Yeah. <laughs> Six, 12, 13, 15 months, whatever. The parts, the parts, the, the, where I am in my life now as a woman, the male interaction that I crave is intellectual. Okay, that's fair. So that's why it's easy for me to deny a physical date. Because what really drives me, where, where I need replenishing is, is mental. So you you just you don't crave physical interaction. You don't crave a hug, a touch, a kiss, a rub. You just I'm good. I'm good without that. Mm-hmm. I said no, it's not. It's very sad. I know you think it's sad. We you we you, you and I talked about that before all the time it for sounds, about seven years. We talked about it like sounds sad because I used to think you was lying a lot. I know. I used, you used to, to be like that's not possible. I said, you single. That's not possible. I'm like, dude, it's emphatically possible. I just thought something. I was like, this girl got to be running the biggest game. It just don't exist. Like, why yeah. would you be like that? And then I hear your best friend over time. Yeah, that's how she is. Right. She knows. It sounds sad, but I truly don't feel like at this point that I'm missing anything. At this point, so that's what I'm saying. You sound like a dude, so you're going to be about 60 years old and be like, you know what? I am kind of lonely. I'm going to need to go find somebody at the bingo But I don't feel lonely. I have male friends. No, I'm talking about at 60, you're going to get that. I ain't talking about now. Now you good. You you, because you can stay so busy that you busy yourself out of those feelings and emotions Correct. and all that type of stuff. So I understand that one hundred percent. But when a man does that, women be like, 
you know, they, they get frustrated about it. So it's so odd to hear a woman because women are naturally nurturers. And they, they're, if you go ask a man, if I met a dude right now, I'd be like, hey, man, I introduce myself to him. So what do you do? He's going to talk about profession and jobs. You ask a woman, she's like, I got three kids, and here's some little pictures of them. No, and pull the phone not out. if it's me. Now, I know with you, you're going to talk about profession. That's why I said you come off like a dude, like a straight-up dude, a you pretty know dude. What, you know what a guy told me one time? It was hurtful. What do you say? It's this guy that um, wanted to date me, and we were communicating. And he said, you know what? I finally figured it out, Fox. And I said, what's that? He said, you don't want a man. You want a business partner that you can sleep with when you want to. There it is. That's what he said to me. That makes sense. I was crushed. And then you got over 30 seconds later. And then I don't even remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? No, I did some self, in all seriousness, I did some self-reflecting on that statement. Because when, if you ask me right now to whiteboard out, you know, everything's a whiteboard. Yeah, it's a whiteboard. To whiteboard out. out what I would like in a mate, that would be one thing. I would like for him to be a part of everything that I am a part of. That's good. All my businesses and everything. That's good. Right. That's but, a healthy relationship. Well, that's what I think. No, it is. It's just a matter of when you say that if it if the marriage becomes all of that and only that, it's like he's like, all right, can we just turn that off right now? I just like. But I'm more it. attracted to him if he is that way. Does that make sense? <laughs> like if he's if he's completely involved, like because I'm such a loner, my mate would have the responsibility of being more than just a spouse. Or a fiance, or a, a guy friend, or a boyfriend. He would also have to be my best friend. Yeah. He would also have to be my business partner. That's good. My confidant, my advi- trusted advisor, because I don't have a lot of people around me. Is he willing to be all of those things? I'm a lot of responsibility, but very low maintenance though, because I don't require a lot of what I think a lot of uh, relationships may require from a female's perspective. I don't require a lot of time. I don't require a lot of, like, phone calls. I'm not into all that. If you call me, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool. Because I sure got mad at you recently because I was like, Casey, and I done called you. I done sent you pictures and video of uh, your friend Faith marrying my boy Kenny Lattimore. You ain't responding. high school friend. Yeah. And I'm like, see, I'm saying, all right, I'm going to just stop calling you. I got mad. (laughs) You was mad. I I got mad. I said, forget Casey. And then I had to explain. I'm like, man, I'm out here hustling. (laughs) I'm like, this just don't make no sense. I'm like, dog, I done called you on the phone while she was sitting there. You didn't answer. I was like, Faith, nothing to call somebody. And then you don't answer. I was like, this is <laughs> this just a bad surprise. This is just terrible. She's like, who who you calling? I said, KC. She's like, she said your government name. And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh. And then she, we started talking about that or whatnot. But, oh, KC Fox. We grew up together. Yeah, that's, yeah. So when, you, so when you look at that, when you look at your, your high school friend or whatever getting married and experience this wonderful love, it doesn't make you go, you know, I kind of want that. The, the, the first time that I was engaged, she was going to be one of my bridesmaids. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look Does it back, make me kind of want that? No. You never look at people getting engaged and proposed to and be like, I kind of I kind of want that. No, I never put myself in the shoes. I appreciate that, what I'm witnessing, but I never, my mind never goes there. <laughs> my mind never goes there because I'm right now, listen, 
And I've told dudes this before, you know, in the recent years, I'm like, you think you want to date me. You really don't. And the and, and that's another thing. It's like Doc was. I'm sorry, my best friend. Yeah, call no, it's call Doc. Her, call her, call her name. Doc, Doc and I, Katrina. Give Doc a shout Katrina. out. That's Doc my. Katrina. So Doc and I, or, or and she was like, well, you could at least just go to dinner with him. Yes. And I'm like, why would I do that? And you said that before. Okay, go ahead, because this was interesting. Yeah. I said, go to dinner with a guy at least. Just go break bread with him. And what was your response? I think that's unfair to him, because I'm not. It would. It wouldn't. There's nothing there. There's no for benefit. Me. There's nothing. It's like you said the whole time in your mind, you're like, this is all it's going to be, and you probably will never see me again. Right. And so you take the responsibility of saying that you just don't want to set him up for failure. Right. I mean, that's, that's actually admirable. So right. I can, why would I do that? Why would I start spending time with a man, going on dates with him, when I know I'm not going to allow it to materialize yeah. into anything? I I've, already, I've already made that conscious decision before. <laughs> We ever got in this car. I've already made that decision. So if there's been guys that have tried, like, I'm a wear down. Exactly. Bro, no, you're not. Because I trained to be a prisoner of war. You ain't breaking me. <laughs> if my mind is made When you put up, it like that, boy, that's, that's, you know, a lot of times we always, you know, as men, we meet women that um, are a little bit more challenging and you, it, it turns us on, you know, that alpha male, it turns us on and makes us get in high pursuit of you. Mm -hmm. uh, but with you, yeah, I think it, like, <laughs> like Doc said, she had the 30 days, you would be like, all right, I'm, I'm done. I, I can't do it. You know? And then that's, and that's awful. <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm, and those are the, you know, rare occasions that I've tried to be nice because the guy was nice the guy may have been a potential mate for me if I was in that space. Yeah, you just wasn't in that space. Right. And I can respect that. So, And I don't believe that everybody should be in a relationship. I don't believe that everybody should be married. I think that people should be honest with themselves in the place that they're in. Like right now, I'm not ready to be in a relationship. I'm in preparation to be in a relationship. I'm in preparation to be married. But marriage is something I ultimately want. And I want it within probably the next two years. I want to be married. You've got it. You've gotten it down that meticulous. Yeah, because I know the process that I have to undergo in order to be ready. Because I want to be married. I don't want to be 50 years old trying to get married or thinking about married, marriage. You know, I'm 42 years old. I'm ready to really spend uh, well, I'll say I'm looking forward to spending. First of all, I've been married before. So I know what a marriage offers. Mm -hmm. And it's something so beautiful because what I'm able to accomplish as one person with two, we can do, we can, we can build an empire. So especially when but you're like-minded. Can't you do that in a committed relationship? Yeah, but it's like, what, what, is, what is that? We're just going, I'm just going to have a girlfriend. Like I'm, I'm a little doper than that. I want a wife. Well, talk to me about that. Oh, now. Oh uh, yeah. You know, yeah. Interview me. You know, interview me because of what? No, what you want to know? Well, talk to me about that because I've I've had these conversations with some of my male friends, some who have been married before, and some who haven't. Is it possible, or what are your thoughts around life having partnership. a life partner? Life partnership. I know you're gonna say that, especially at our age. You know, how important is it to be in a marriage as opposed to have all of the things that a marriage would bring without actually the legalities of a marriage. Well, it's a, I like to compare that to someone that's a, a full-time employee at a job or somebody that's just a temp, 
You know, they look the same. You know, you can walk into a business and you can say, oh, okay, they work here. But what you don't understand, some of the benefits, oh, I'm trying not to preach, some of the benefits that the employee has that temp will never get. You know, even the, the, the opportunities for growth and advancement, they're just not going to get. You know, they're just a temp and they're ready to be replaced at whenever time the employer decides to replace them. So I believe in covenant, and, and my faith is based upon the word of God, and so I understand what a covenant brings. And so I could have a girlfriend or a life partner, and we can kick it until it don't work out no more, but I'd rather have a marriage, something that's, that's solid and strong, that even if I decided to dissolve that relationship, it's a little bit more work to dissolve that, which causes you to actually be intentional about trying to maintain it and keep it. And so I want a marriage. You know, I understand that nowadays everybody has gotten to this passive mentality where it's like, oh, let's get a life partner. And sometimes I think that sounds good, mm -hmm. but uh, it just doesn't line up with some of my, uh, my spiritual beliefs. So that that's why yeah, I figured that, that was going to be in <laughs> with my, my, my faith. Yes. <laughs> like I said, it makes sense. It sounds good because it's the it's the it's the easy route. You know, I love it when I talk to somebody and they say they've been married for 35 years and 40 years and 50 years. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. Because what that says, like even with you to hear how long you've worked uh, for the company that you worked for. How many years have you been there? Um, 19. 19 years. Mm -hmm. You know, oftentimes people don't stay with their companies that long. You mm -hmm. know, there'll be five years here and they jump over here, five years, two years here, three years. And so as a culture, now you talk to people like a lot of the, the elders, they worked at their companies for 20, 30, 40 years, and then they retire from that company, but it shows their commitment. And then you look at their marriages, it resembles that. Well, in today's society, we go work at a company five years, go here for two years, go here, whatever looks better, we jump to whatever better opportunity. So we see that reflected in our relationships. It's like, okay, we're here for about two. Oh, ooh, hey, somebody else over there. All right, go over here. And so you start seeing it shape the culture. And so that's my, that's my uh, ideology about the whole thing. But when I look at you and I go, gosh, you can give 19 years to a company, what would it look like if you gave 19 years to a mate building something like that? Because you built your company tremendously. A lot of people don't even know all the stuff that you've done for the company you work for, but it hasn't gone unnoticed, which is another thing that I want to say to you um, for everybody to hear. I want to thank you personally for introducing me um, with an opportunity for the company that you work for that gave me my first Emmy nomination. I didn't even know it was a such thing as a regional Emmy, but because you saw the work that I was doing with the homeless and you had the forethought to, to introduce me to your company and for them to say, hey, we would love to work with Latiris alongside of this. And then in the conversations that I had with you and the people that work there say, what you're doing is so amazing, you should submit it to the, the Emmys. And the first thing I said, I was like, I'm not, I can't win no Emmy. Like, this is this is ridiculous. I'm not I'm not going to do that. And you was like, LaTerris, you don't understand the stuff that you be doing just out, out your big old head of yours. <laughs> People go to school for this. People go to school, spend years in school to try to produce this stuff. And you just doing it. Trust me, you're worthy for it. And I listened to you and I was like, okay, I either have to, yeah, I had to respect the fact of your years of experience outside of what the, and people don't understand the insecurity that I had from, from the production side. And I said, you know what? I'm going to actually listen to KC. And listening to you not only gave me one Emmy nomination, but ended up giving me two Emmy nominations. So I want to just thank you publicly for even introducing me to that platform. So You're thank welcome. you. You're a talent like I had never seen before on the outside of the industry or what we call new ways of doing media. What you were doing normally takes about 12 to 15 people. 
That's what you were telling me. And yeah. when I walked around and started seeing what they was doing, you just introduced me to all the different departments there. I was like, oh, wow, dang, I wish I had all these people to work. Right. I'm like, this is what it takes for us to put on a 30-minute show. And you see 110 people. <laughs> and my little crazy self, me and my homeboy Tony, we run around just shooting and editing and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for the exposure. And that's what I love so much about the girls that you are influencing and the people that you're connected with, your team, is that that level of influence as y'all cross-pollinate talents and ideas, that y'all going to build something amazing that's going to leave a legacy. Casey, mm -hmm. what should the title of this podcast be called? You know, I'm a, you know, I'm a branding master. Yeah. So what should this be called? Because I almost was going to name it Too Busy for Love. I wish you would. <laughs> what should it be called? Hmm. I didn't think about that. Let's think about we that. talked a lot about timing. We talked yeah. about timing being everything. Casey, let me tell you something. Thank you so much for taking the time out to spend some time and just keep it real with me and keep it lit. I honor you. I respect you. And I'm so proud of everything that you've been able to accomplish. Give it up for Casey Fox, y'all. Man, I really enjoyed having Casey Fox on the podcast today. So um, really insightful. I love talking to different individuals about their perspective on love and relationships and marriage. And I think that she provided a very uh, interesting outlook on love and relationships. But as always, I have to manifest my future. Dear future wifey, I've always been fascinated by grandfather clocks. As a child, I found myself lost in its ornate beauty. I would stare intensely at the towering timekeeper as the pendulum danced side to side. It's a very tranquil yet hypnotic experience. Tick tock, tick tock each sound representing a passing second of my life. I would view grandfather clocks as God standing majestically above my toddler frame. I was too young to fully appreciate the power of time. I am much older now and time has become more valuable. My love, a spiritual clock is ticking and at the precise time, our introduction into each other's lives will manifest in the natural. You see, nothing is by happenstance. Our introduction will come to pass like a symphony conductor. It will be orchestrated by God. How do I know this? You see, the Bible declares the steps of the righteous are order. So how do we ensure our divine meeting? It's simple. We must seek righteousness. Timing is everything. Meet me too soon. I'm half baked and a turn off. Meet me after God has completed his work in me. You'll be gifted with the masterpiece. Just wait your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family.